you may not have built a business in a manner which deserves the people that you think you deserve or that you're looking for. And another tough saying that says that the team that you have is the team that you deserve. Welcome to Making It to Market, the podcast where we discuss everything about taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I'm your host, Dahlia Collada. We're back again with Reagan Patterson, CEO, business, and executive coach of Action Coach Mid-Central Texas. In the previous episode, we talked about the difference between working on your business versus in your business. In today's episode, we're discussing quite a few things like the three types of business culture, the four aspects of business, and building your company to attract the employees you want. This episode is part of a four-part series. You'll want to hear them in order. There's so much to learn from Reagan today, so stick around so you can hear more about what's happening in the next episode. He's got so many key takeaways. Information, links, and a transcript from today's episode are available in the show notes. Let's get into it. Reagan, welcome back. Well, thank you, Dahlia, and I'm extremely honored and grateful to uh, be here today and to be requested to spend some time with you. So for those of you who are just joining us, this is uh, the second part. Uh, the, the first episode, we talked about working on your business versus in your business. And this is just a continued conversation from that previous discussion. I hope you enjoy it. I think, uh, I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs think. When they start a business, they might have a product or a service idea in mind, and then they are really good at it, but they don't think about the soft skills. They don't think about the big picture, like you said, the 30,000 foot view. You know, they just focus on, let's make this thing and get it out. And it's so great that, you know, once people see it, everyone's going to buy it. But that's maybe like maybe 5% of your business. The rest of it is your per, your brand personality, the culture in your company. Um, I got a really lovely phone call from a customer yesterday um, who I didn't answer the phone when they called, but one of my people here answered the phone. And later on, he told me, yeah, she was just so lovely. She was very knowledgeable. She was very friendly. And I uh, said, and then after that, my, my person sent me a message saying, Hey, Dahlia, we got a phone call from this new person. And then I sent that that man a text and I said, Hey, just want to let you know, I got your message. I'll call you back. I'm just in a noisy place. Is that okay. And then when we finally spoke, he was just so complimentary of one, we were responsive. You know, we haven't even talked about the product yet. We have, you know, we, we were responsive. We were friendly. We were professional. We present ourselves well. And I, my response to him was, yeah, because the brand is every part of your business. It's not just the end product. And so I think when it comes to creating a company culture or training employees or selling your business, you've got to sell the whole thing, not just the widget that's coming out at the end of the day. And I think a lot of business owners really miss that part of, I need to work on myself and I need to get everyone on board on my team. And this is the leadership style I'm going to establish from the beginning. This is my problem resolution strategy from the beginning. And not be so reactive when you have got those crazy personalities. Because you never know. You know. People go through stuff on their own personal life and they bring it to work sometimes. But, you know, how to handle that, you know. And I think there's a good balance. But like you said, it really starts with the manager or owner or whatever looking at inward to themselves and seeing well, how am I creating this? Because it's a culture and I'm influencing the culture. 
That's right. Yeah, it very very well articulated. When when we look at a cycle of business, so one of the concepts that we we teach all of our clients, so there's four key aspects of business that that have a relationship with each other. So you have the business owner, you have team, you have customers, and you have the business. Mm. And so if I was showing a diagram here, we'd put business owners at the business owner at the top. And then on the right hand side of a circle, we'd put the team. And then at the bottom of the circle, we'd put the customers. And on the left side of the circle, we'd put the business. So the business owner's job is to actually manage and take care of the team. It's the team's job to take care of the customers. It's the customer's job to take care of the business. And it's the business's job to take care of the business owner. And often, again, if you're the entrepreneurial that doesn't want leverage in your business, you're trying to take care of all of those, right? And you don't even have team. Fascinating. So once you start to add team, and, and here's here's the question too that uh, I'll ask a lot of business owners, especially these saying, which can't find good people nowadays. Like, well, I'm sad to say, but the way that you're approaching finding people is why you're not finding good people. Because I guarantee mm. you there are good people out there. Yeah. Maybe you haven't built the business in a manner in which it attracts the people that you want. So maybe Ooh, you don't deserve so those people. Oh, that's powerful stuff yeah. there. And that's that's one of those tough mirror moments, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. because there is when again when we look at that circle, the cycle of business, the question I ask is is there a correlation between the way that the business owner treats the team as the way the team treats the customers? Right? If I as a business owner don't treat my team well, how well do you think that team member is going to treat the customer that walks into my exactly. business? So the concept there that I'll, I'll challenge business owners is that you may not have built the business in a manner which deserves the people that you think you deserve or that you're looking for. And, and there's enough, another tough saying that says that the team that you have is the team that you deserve. Oh, that kind of burns. Yeah. And, but, but here's the deal, right? It's the same, same saying as you reap what you sow, mm-hmm. right? If, if you have a guilty conscience or you know you haven't been sowing good things, then, then that saying is almost insulting. But if you know that you've been sowing good things, then I, that, that saying is, is exciting. So it sounds like you rip Band-Aids off for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, part of my job is to have some of those tough conversations with people because business owners often, they, they're not used to having someone that they can confide in. They're, they're not used to team members saying no, right? Maybe they've even built a culture where you can't disagree with the business owner. Yeah. Um, and so part of my job is to provide some strategic guidance and to, to challenge the status quo, which, you know, if you can imagine let's say that you and I just met and all of a sudden I'm asking you some tough questions that make you uncomfortable. I'll be like, get out of here. I don't exactly. want to talk to you. Exactly. You're making it burn. You're giving me heartburn. <laughs> right. So, which, which is why before I start to ask really tough questions, I have to build a foundation of trust and I have to earn the right with my clients to be able to 
shift into that friction that that is required but just like any athletic coach right if you talk to any athlete there are times that they really like their coach because they're giving them what they need as a pat on the back and it's encouraging and then there's other times where they really hate their coach but at the same time the coach is giving them what they need which may be a kick in the butt yeah, yeah. right okay be so after you rip the band-aid off are you putting some cooling aloe vera gel on top of the wound or what are you doing after that we do we throw rubbing alcohol right on it oh and then after that do you like give me some cooling gel come on there's no cooling gel no oh, i'm just kidding okay. um we the whole time we we have to be able to to say if if we pick up a rock and there's worms under it and it's gross and yucky we don't just put the rock back right we have to we have to look at the situation objectively for what it is and then come up with some ways in which we are going to change the trajectory, right? Because what we talked about earlier, that coaching question of, are you happy with the results that you have right now in your life and in your business? And if no, what are we going to do today that's going to create the life that we want to have, that we want to create? And that's, that's where quickly we go from, yeah, we're not happy with maybe the financial performance of the business. We're not happy with maybe what we've built over the last decade or two. But having that recognition, having that, that conversation to look yourself in the mirror, to have someone like myself come in and work beside you. We're not across the table. We're working together. We're collaborating to say, okay, well, what do we think? would be the next steps to move the business forward that would help you accomplish your have that would help you accomplish what you want to be building and that's that energy and excitement that all entrepreneurs have right that's the passion for why they went into the business in the first place what we're now doing is we're channeling an, a small percentage it's not like we're saying hey if you start working with with me you're gonna have to be putting in 40 more hours a week it's not that we're looking for anywhere from one to five hours of intentional on the business work, right? Not the in the business work, not the reacting to the business, but the very deliberate strategic implementation to move the business forward. That's what we call on the business work. So we're looking for that. And now we're channeling that grit, that determination, that work ethic that these entrepreneurs have but now they're actually getting excited because it's not just a dust storm. It's not just the hamster wheel. We're actually seeing incremental improvement in their business. And every 90 days, we do a 90 day planning session. We resume out of the business, look at it from 30,000 foot view. We score the business again. We see the progress that they've made from their previous work. We track all of their wins. We're able to see all of that progress. And then we're able to, at that 90 day session, figure out what are the specific goals that we're going to tackle for the next 90 days. And then we zoom back in. We start wow. working on that every week. We have touch points. We have strategic discussions. And then we repeat. There, I love that a, idea. Intensity. Yeah. It's intense. That's, and, and, it's, and it's incremental. So there are some clients where I have to challenge them to do more right? Just like any, any good coach is, you know, run that extra lap, do an extra set. And there are some clients where I actually pull back and say, you've got to slow down. Your pace is not sustainable. We're going to, we're going to approach burnout. So you're the, the, what I'm prescribing is have a date night, 
take take some time off, right? Why am I getting emails from you at 2.47 a.m.? I need you to be taking care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, then your business is going to suffer. Amen. So I, I speak on behalf of the business and I speak on behalf of, of a council for them as well. Wow. So let's talk about the company culture or like really, how do you define a company culture or corporate culture? What does that even mean? I mean, I think people have ideas that it might mean like we all are on the same plan. We've all got the same vision. I put my mission, vision, value statement out and now I've got a company culture. Like what, like, what is it? What is it really about? So if we define culture as, um, as an acceptable behavior or interactions with individuals, right? That's, that can be kind of a very loose term for what culture is. When we when we build company culture, um, so let's, let's talk about a concept called rules of the game. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Olympics. And uh, if you take a, a sport that I enjoy watching, I don't really understand all of the rules is rugby. Right. But it's always fascinating to me. You have a U.S. team, you have a Mexico team, an Australian team, New Zealand team, and yet they all get on the same field and they know, you know, when to hug each other. Right. It's Ooh, called a okay. scrum. Right. They know <laughs> they know when like how does the ball go to one side or the other? They know, you know, hey, this is OK for us to touch the ball and throw it, but you have to throw it backwards. And other times you can kick the ball forwards and run. It's it's a fascinating game. Um, and yet I still don't understand all of the aspects of how it's played, but if you can imagine, right, the concept of rules of the game, imagine if you get a rugby player, a American soccer player and an American football player, and you say, okay, guys, let's huddle up. We're going that way. Let's score. What kind of chaos would you see on the field? It'd be wildly entertaining. Mm. <laughs> but everyone there is playing a different game. So when we talk about culture within your business, we have the concept of what are the rules of the game? And a lot of times we will have a couple of different concepts on culture. Uh, I actually taught at Baylor University on this, this concept specifically. So if we have... Um, there's three main types of culture. One is a de facto culture. So this would be a company that doesn't have a written culture statement. So my question is, does no culture exist then? Ooh. Okay. So is, so, so is a culture statement kind of like part of the mission, vision, values? Because I think values is more of like the attitude, the cultural statement. So a, a mission statement, a vision statement wouldn't necessarily be a culture statement. A right. value statement could yes. be a culture yeah, statement. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's say that this company had a mission statement and a vision statement, but no value, no culture statement. So mm -hmm. nothing's written. So does a culture exist within that company? What do you think? I mean, I think yes. It would they define it themselves on an individual level. It's not done with a vision in mind of like guiding the ship kind of thing. That's it's right. like everyone on their own canoe. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So the, and that's where I talk about a de facto culture is existing. 
it's there's there's not necessarily what is out of bounds what's a penalty what's a score right if we talk about from an actual sports mentality but there is a de facto culture have you ever heard someone say man what happened to this place this business used to be great yeah i see that a lot especially with not i mean not here but i've seen it in corporate where there's a lot of change uh, in at the management level and every new manager comes in has a new thing that they want to do and new way and new software and then everyone has to stop and overhaul and and it's like that happens every two or three years and everyone gets burned out and it's like this sucks i'm done <laughs> right so change fatigue right change or, fatigue. or the Ooh, rules of the game yeah. are changing every time you have a new manager right Again, if we're talking about a de facto culture, every single time you have a new team member present, that de facto culture changes. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a new team member that's added to the team. That also changes the de facto culture. But if I have a shift of six employees and all of a sudden three leave and I, and I overlap another two, that's a different culture than the other six. So every single time I have people in my organization, that's a different culture if it's a de facto culture. So then we have something that's called a static culture. So the static culture is something that, you know, a business owner, management team, executive team took the time to write out what the value statements are, what the acceptable behaviors are, what the expected behaviors are. I think that's what everyone goes to. So the static culture is more of the, you're, you're going to see this more prevalent in especially large organizations where they've spent the time to articulate their culture. Why I call it a static culture is because it's something that as a new employee, you get introduced to the company value statements, the company culture statements when you're onboarded, right? And it goes in your HR handbook and maybe it's up on the wall somewhere, but it's not something that's, that's enforced or it may be enforced, and this is the worst part, it may be enforced sporadically. It's inconsistent. There's, there's a concept uh, in a great book called The No Asshole Rule. And uh, the, when this was introduced at a company that I worked with, uh, again, great concept. The question arose, at what level of management are we going to implement the No Asshole Rule? Because we had some people in senior management positions that weren't just occasional assholes, but were, as the book calls, certified assholes. <laughs> which is a is which is an important distinction. I think we all know some of those. We know few people like that, right? Yes. So so the the concept here again is hey, this is great, but if we're not enforcing the culture consistently and across every level of the organization, it is a static culture. And then that brings us to, so we don't, we know we don't really want a de facto culture. We know we don't want a static culture. So then the last one, the one that we should all be striving for is what we call a living culture. And this is, it is introduced to new team members with when they onboard. And it should be one of those things that attracts people to our business. It's because this is what we stand for and it's a living culture. And then the question is, well, where should a living culture be referenced and utilized in the decisions of the business. I'm with Reagan Patterson of Action Coach. You don't want to miss his definition of what ego side is. Stick around till after the break. We'll be right back. 
So when I hear living culture without knowing the definition, I think of it as um, it's an evolving definition of what the culture is that might be changing based off of the dynamic of the people, the dynamic of the business goals. Like how much of that is playing into the living culture? Yeah, so so really good question. That's not the intention of living culture. So so okay. that concept, if we talk about a living document, a living plan, that is the connotations there are that we are going to modify and adjust it as we execute the strategy or implement the business plan. That becomes a living plan. A living culture is more about the concept of it permeates every decision that the business makes. So it is referenced for reward and recognition. It is referenced for compensation. It is referenced yes. for disciplinary uh, actions or deficiency conversations, right? Some of those crucial conversations that are needed in order to hold people that are deficient to the company culture. It's referenced in every single decision maker and it's across the organization. So the living aspect here too means that whether I have a new team member on the front line, if they witness a manager not upholding our culture, that they are empowered to call out the company executive when we're not living to the culture. So now it permeates every single level within the organization and it it is it is something that is embodied and it's it's everyone has buy-in to preserve and uphold that culture. Well, you mentioned about discipline and correction and all this stuff. You know, and everyone should be accountable really. But who is accountable for implementing repercussions? Like is that the manager or like how do you how do you maintain that is what I'm asking. Well, so and that's, a, that's a great question too. It, so if I'm working with a business owner, it is this, this actually, let's, let's see. Um, let's do a fun exercise together. Okay. Let's Gosh, define, I hope I know the answers. Say what? <laughs> I said, I hope I know the answers. <laughs> well, there, there's, there's not a right or wrong answer. I, okay. I'm curious to get your thoughts and then I'll, okay. I'll share mine. Um, sure. Let's define the term management. Okay. In a very broad sense, that's not relevant to the industry, the business, or even the level of within the organizations. How would you define management? Um, looking at a high level, establishing a goal at a high level and understanding the steps to achieve that goal. Okay. I love it. So you're talking about action steps and it's goal oriented. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, I, I think that's a, a phenomenal definition. The, the one that, that I've developed is providing an opportunity for success for everyone around me. I like that too. And it's specific that it's not, I'm as a manager or as a business owner, I'm not responsible for your success. I am responsible to provide the opportunity for you wow. to be successful. I like that. Let me repeat that because I, I want to like like soak it into my brain sponge. Okay, so the the role of a manager is to enable or create an environment that can uh, create success or create an environment or a culture to where people um, feel like they can create their own success. That's right. Yep. Okay. And and so with that what part of my responsibility as a business owner or manager is, is to provide you the, the time to be successful, 
the training to be successful and the tools in order to be successful. And when I've done that, I've now created the environment to where you will determine your own success. Ooh, I like that. And so, so this is, this gets to a roundabout way when you said, well, what about disciplinary actions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If I have done my job, so, so part of when I was managing a team in fortune 500, I told every team member, you will never have a surprise on your performance evaluation. Because if you do, then I have failed you. So part of our job is to define the parameters of success for this role, right? To define how will this role be measured for success? When we look at objectivity, we look at KPIs. What are the KPIs that I need to track for this role to be successful? That's part of creating the environment for success, the opportunity for success. How do you define success? Um, that's, that's a, it's a, that's a great question. Um, I specific to a role, it could be, there, there could be different aspects and attributes. So it could be, um, it could be an accuracy rate. It could be uh, a volume transactional volume rate. Um, you know, on an individual basis, I actually think this is one of the unique gifts from God is that we can all just define success individually differently, which is, which is why I'm so passionate about not projecting what I believe success should be for an individual, um, but helping kind of work alongside them to achieve what success is for them. Um, for a specific role in an organization, I think we have to be more, um, we have to create more parameters for what that role is needed in the business and how are we going to determine what success looks like in that role. So it's, it is creating those objective measurements. So, you know, what maybe it's customer callbacks, maybe it's re resurfacing customer accounts, right? There, there could be a, a vast um, plethora of different KPIs that we can look from. In fact, in Action Coach, we have something that's called the KPI shopping cart. Oh, what is that? That sounds fun. Um, with, I think we have, I think we have over 200 or so different KPIs that are kind of standard KPIs for different industries. And when I sit down with the business owner, we kind of look, we will look through those KPIs to determine what are you currently measuring? And perhaps there might be some others within the shopping cart that might be beneficial to track success. So, so back to providing the opportunity for success back for disciplinary actions in a mature model, we want to get to the point where the employee is reporting their own metrics. How? Well, so again, if, if we, if we are tracking key performance indicators yeah. for mm -hmm. that role, and this is what we've communicated to the employee, this is how you'll be measured and determined for success. This is what that role looks like. Now the employee is tracking their own performance and reporting that to their manager. Does it make having deficiency conversations much simpler? What do you think? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because we've clearly defined what success looks like for that role and the team mm. member is self-reporting. So how would this, okay, I'm with you and I a thousand percent agree with what you're saying. Let's just, let's give a scenario of five man crew, five man business. Um, 
you know, when you're starting a business, it's hard to be thinking about all of these little things that need to happen all at the same time. So when is it okay? Can you start the goal? Like, can you, the success definitions per role thing? Is that something that you can do over time? Or does that have to be established when the person's being hired? Like, because, you know, once they start and they build their habits or whatever, it's kind of hard to change habits. Mm-hmm. So what is what is your recommendation when you just are got so much going on? There's no time to sit there and think about the soft stuff. Right. Um, or at least some people would say that. So what is your advice to them in that situation? So we would we would first address and kind of look at the business again from a 30,000 foot view. So we we have a concept in Action Coach called the six steps where we have 21 different building blocks to build a scalable business. What we would first do is assess what is the most pressing area that we need to address in order to move the business forward. So so perhaps it might not be rules of the game or defining what success is for that specific position. Now, do you think it's easier to establish the culture before you have a team or to establish the culture after you have a team? Um, I think that's a very good question. And the answer could be both depending on the maturity of the business. So if you're starting your business, you might not even know what that is yet because it hasn't really, you haven't figured that out. And you don't know the dynamic of all of those elements that you said before, um, the business owner, the team, the customer, the whole business, you haven't figured that out yet. So it would probably be very difficult to do, but if you've got an established business, then yeah, that makes sense. It's true. Yes. So, so what I would tell anyone who was, was starting a business, don't wait until you have all of the building blocks in place to then go out to market and start to engage in business, right? But how do you know if you've hired the right people if you don't even have an expected behavior list? I think though this this really comes down to preparing to run a business or preparing a business. Uh, maybe these are like things that you, like going back to building your business with a franchise concept in mind, working in the business versus working on the business. This is like you preparing in advance before you launch. This is the outline. This is my process. This is my goals. This is how I'm going to be as a manager. These are what I'm going to do when people get started. I'm going to define the role, the success, you know, KPIs for this position before you even start your business, maybe having that little packet of goodies ready to go so that way when you start you're not like fumbling around disorganized don't know what's going on and then setting yourself up for failure really so i think maybe it's preparation it, it so so i i was talking with a business owner this last month that is opening uh her business at the end of april and was asking some questions that i do during so one of the things i'll, I'll do is a three-year strategic plan it's a couple hour session where we where we kind of look at the building blocks and kind of talk about different strategies to help move the business forward. And, and one of the questions was, you know, how many, how many hours are you currently working your business? And she was working 10. And so I challenged her. She said, well, you know, the business isn't functional yet. It's not up and running. And I challenged her. I said, well, right now is a terrific time to build the foundation that you'll, you'll be able to reap dividends later. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, if if you have the drive and the knowledge, let's capitalize on this time right now. Um, Absolutely. Now, mm-hmm. what I will say is, 
that it's not required to open your business to have all of this in place. No, no, but it's not as, required. But as you scale mm -hmm. your business, as you grow and expand in size and volume and complexity, having this parameter is going to be really important for your team to reference. And it can be, especially depending on how long and how large your business has, has grown to, it can be very challenging to implement rules of the game at, into a business that's already established. Yes. Because, yeah. because you're going to have certain people to go, I didn't sign up for that. Right. What are you talking yeah. about? That's, that's a new rule. Right. And then, and then what ends up happening, if it's not introduced with employee buy-in, if it's not introduced with collaboration to build it together, then that's where you can start to potentially alienate some people. Um, maybe that's, that, that could be a strategic decision. Maybe you have some people that you need to, to work out of the business. And this is why you're creating this new value statement, these new rules of the game. Um, but it is something that, that is important in order to be able to have those types of conversations that a lot of time managers avoid conflict. Absolutely. And so this, this allows us to have the team member measure their own performance and it makes having disciplinary actions or deficiency in performance discussions much simpler because now it's objective. It's not subjective where, you know, you could say, well, gosh, you know, Reagan was being such a jerk to me today. You know, you, you've been reporting this. One of the questions when I would have some of these deficiency conversations is, you know, I see the trend that things are going in. What are you going to do in order to improve your performance? Right? Because it's again, my job is to provide you the opportunity, the feedback, the assistance that you need. And then another key question is what, what can I do to help you be successful? Mm -hmm. And wow, okay. certain, certain employees that I'm, I'm proud to say that I've had several employees tender their resignation because they saw where things were going and they saw that the that they were no longer performing at the level that the business needed and required and so instead of them being fired and having that on their resume they decided to tender the resignation which which was a good opportunity for them to find a place where they were fulfilled and and valued and happy and it was also a good opportunity for us to uh, increase the bench strength of the the business to learn more about Reagan Patterson, check him out on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Alignable. And if you would like to learn more, you can visit his website, mctx, that's midcentraltexas, mctx.actioncoach.com. Thank you so much, Reagan, for being on the show today. I always have so much fun talking with you and learning way too much. You're very welcome. My pleasure. And, and just as a unique spelling to my name, there's no E's in Reagan. Oh, so it's R-A-G-A-N in case someone oh, wants to you. Google me. Reagan Patterson. <laughs> Reagan Patterson. Thank you so much, Reagan. Thank you, Dahlia. Appreciate your time. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please subscribe to Making It to Market wherever you listen to podcasts or listen from our website, makingittomarket.com. Thank you for your honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And a special thanks to our listeners and show sponsors. Without your support, I would not be able to do this. As you know, Making It to Market is a new show and I need your help to get the word out. Feel free to share links to your favorite episodes. You don't want to miss the next one where we talk about seven keys to a winning team. 
If there's a topic you'd like to hear, have a comment, or even a question you'd like for me to address, feel free to leave me a voice message on our podcast phone line. If we air your question or comment in an upcoming episode, we'll send you a Making It to Market t-shirt or mug. Details are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, make decisions that make a difference.